tonight, I'd like us to talk about the fundamentals of our faith and juxtapose those with truths of our faith. So, as, as we know, words have power. So, what, what can you tell me about a fundamental? What's, what's a fundamental of the faith? How do I know if I've violated a fundamental of the faith? Yes, sir. Referring to more of a conviction? No, no. Um, I, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put that one down too. It's 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 good that you brought that up, Noah. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, let's hear. Go ahead, Ken. Uh, Pick any word you want. Okay. All right, so broad general. I'm thinking like broader categories, but like specific truths would be like a scripture passage that is the truth, whereas a fundamental would be like the broader issue that's being addressed there. So maybe a principle. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. Can I give an example? There is an example. Obviously, we can't start unless we say there is a God. Okay. Um, so, a fundamental. a fundamental would be that there is a God, that He exists. Okay, good. I think uh, the other key thing for us to understand is that these fundamentals are pretty much non-negotiable. Okay, now that's, that's a good synonym at times for the non-negotiables. And I want to talk about that, and I'm going to write that up in red, because I knew some tzaddik would say non-negotiable. And I'm writing it this way, um, because I'm coming to believe, and maybe you'll dissuade me from this persuasion, that there are fundamentals that are non-negotiable, but will I part company over them? See? That, so... So now I'm going to put on the other side of the plate here, part company. Yeah, deal breaker. Does everybody know what I mean by that? I'm going to write deal breaker. Would that be more of the truth category? Um, Well, uh, let me put it this way. Well, you're thinking about marrying a gal. Turns out she's a Buddhist. Will you marry her? Absolutely not. Sounds like there's a deal breaker. See what I'm doing? So obviously, her faith or difference from your faith must have crossed that non-negotiable line, and therefore, you need to part company. It's a deal breaker. And I'm wondering, does, do those, by definition then, define the fundamental? Or are the fundamentals of our faith that I agree, swear by, love, and teach that aren't necessarily deal breakers? You see what I mean? So I don't want us to get caught up in the vocab. I want us to look at the theology of what we believe, why we believe it, and then I want to try and grade it. How important is it? Is it a truth of the Scripture? Well, there's a whole lot of truths of the Scripture that I'm not going to part company over. Here's a good one. Tim, do you think that I should keep all the commandments of God? No, I shouldn't keep all the commandments of God. I should only keep some of the commandments of God? Um, yeah. So I should keep all the commandments of God? 
Um, yeah. Okay, so if, I, if I'm supposed to keep all the commandments of God, and, and, and I've got a believer that wants to eat shrimp, but you and I know that Leviticus 11 teaches me that shrimp is not food, what do you think about that guy? I'm sorry? Don't eat his food. Don't eat his food. There you go, right? So, that's what I'm talking about. All right? Yeah. So, the first thing I think we need to do is just, you know, use this, use this down here to try and list out maybe what we think are fundamentals of the faith. Now, I'll bring up a couple of more $9 words. Because in professional Christendom, right around the 1600s, 1700s, this word was real big. Parting company was a regular practice. And it, <laughs> as, as you list these out, you start to define what professional Christendom, Christendom would call orthodoxy. And if you violated or disagreed with orthodox belief, then you were considered, counted, and named heretic. a heretic. Anthema. Yes. Well, and the, and the quit to part company is one of the reasons why there's a gazillion denominations. It's the, it's or a gazillion and one. Yeah. It is I mean, the quintessential Christian thing to do. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. If we're in a body of Messiah, if we are in the body of Messiah, and Jonathan starts spewing spewing false doctrine. Who's supposed to leave? Joshua? Rick? Johnny? Greg? Or Jonathan? Well, he's supposed to leave. If he's teaching wrong, doing wrong, we jack him up privately. We jack him up publicly. We then jerk him out. This, of course, is the New York... The New York translation. Why would we do that? Because we love him. Because we love him and we want him back. We're commanded to because we want him back. Restoration is the deal. So, have you noticed? Evening first, then morning. But professional Christendom says morning, then evening. Well, it's the same thing with this topic, right? That doctrine is wrong. I'm leaving. Wait a minute, don't you have the right doctrine? Why are you leaving? Who's supposed to correct him if he's got the wrong doctrine? Right? So, everything seems to be, uh, as they say in the vernacular, back ass word, right? So we want to try and get that corrected tonight. Part of the reason I think some people end up having the I'm leaving approach is because, um, to their dismay, they come to find that they ended up in a group where everyone but them actually does believe what they consider to be wrong. And, and when you've exhausted all attempts to rectify the situation and, and you find that you are, in fact, odd man out, now the situation is no longer as we defined it in the beginning. The premise was you're in the body of Messiah and these truths are, well, self-evident. And if that's, and if, if that's no longer the case, then the premise has changed and well, now, they're not joining you in that. 
it's like you've stepped into something different. But I still think there's a, a strong opportunity to stay and, and try and do. I have, and I know others here have, fought tooth and nail in a, in a manly and yet honorable way and at last resort have either been asked to leave, forced to leave, or you have no choice for the sake of your family. And I've, you do it properly, yeah. you'll be the one asked. Yeah, yes. and, I've, and, and it's happened to me three times. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, all right? So, so, that's right, yeah. Um, so what I'd like to do now is, uh, if, if you've got a couple of these on your heart, I want to hear them, but I do want you to defer to those that normally tend to be slow to speak and quick to listen, because they actually are acting more godly than you, and I'm speaking to myself, so patiently and Definitively, I want to hear top shelf. Not not the little wimpy stuff. Let's start with the big cheese, right? There is a God. Are we saying that we change it to there is one God? I like that. It sounds somewhat biblical. That was a double. Well, I was going to say, if that's a fundamental, then a truth, a sort of a corollary of that Okay. I'm not looking for fundamentals, truths, or convictions. Okay. I'm looking for truth statements that that you consider at this point non-negotiable. Now, once we get the list, we'll start to determine whether or not it's negotiable. you got to look like you want to say something. You'll wait. There you go. Say that again. Recognizing and following what he has given us. Okay. Um, obeying. God. Hmm? Would that kind of summarize it? Good. Um, okay, if I could, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, but he, he talks so infrequently, I just, I'm just i going to flesh this out a little bit. Um, am I assuming that you are saying that because you believe that since you know, you're probably the last guy in here, which means that you're more sensitive to hypocrisy than anyone else here? It's the fact of life. You see when there's a rub between what we say and what we do more than any other guy here because you're the last guy in. The next guy in is going to see it even more clearly than you do, and you're going to fade into the woodwork. So are you saying to me that this is an identifier and therefore important to you? Do everybody agree? Yeah. Good. Thank you. Uh, this is kind of a passage that leads to what I believe you're going to quote scripture to me now. Gee whiz, such a Bible guy. All you Bible guys. Uh, therefore, leading principles of the doctrine of Messiah, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation, fundamentals, of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, awesome. doctrine of baptisms or immersions or washings, awesome. and of laying out of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Okay. Now, that's a great mouthful. I think you need to look in context and see, is he naming his, is he naming theirs, or is he starting to try and put together a great Tuesday night class? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I love that list. Don't misunderstand. I love that list. But I would counter that, that Israel included Sadducees who did not 
absolutely not only didn't with believe it, but absolutely rejected the resurrection of the dead. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And yet still were considered part of the family and were included in the covenant. Excellent. Part of the family. And that's exactly this kind of stuff I'm talking about. You would think and have no part of the resurrection or the, the, the life of the world to come. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. You don't, it, you don't got it, but talk about it quite regularly too, but it's all expected anyway. It is an amazing it is an amazing thing and I think it's always healthy for us, looking at that Greek mindset to the Hebraic mindset, right? I think it's always important for us to look at the way we think and do stuff, we being professional Christendom, Gentiles, the church, and so forth, versus the way God's people have traditionally done it. And, and that's a great example. It's kind of scary. When you've got a group that strongly disagrees with a fundamental absolutely gotta have, can't wait, looking forward to, it's my hope kind of thing. And they're trashing it. And yet still considered not only part and parcel, but are looked to as sages. That's a lot different than we do. It really is. Go ahead. Well, I, I think we need to come back and you need to give me some points to write up there in a second. Just to tag on to that, I, it's true the Sadducees were... Um, Integrated within like the temple context, um, but that is somewhat unique, I think, from what we're talking about here. Really? When you're because I mean, the explanation is um, that sense is actually unique from Christendom in general. Christendom sees generally, maybe the Catholic Church being an exception, that churches is your community. They don't see a global community necessarily beyond well, we're believers, we pray for them or whatever. Right. The temple system was much more of a global scale. The Pharisees had no problem going to the temple with the Sadducees, but they wouldn't invite them over to their house to eat. No, I'll grant you that, Joshua, and I see where you're going, and I think that's important. Um, but I would, I would say, if we had the same kind of mindset, there'd only be one church in this city. So you show up, and whether you're Baptist or Presbyterian, whether your varying doctrines are different or not, we're still going to worship God together, we just won't invite one another over. And when we go out to dinner after the service, you go to a different restaurant. We'll walk on the other side. Well, it's like, essentially, yeah. essentially it's, it's a, we can worship together, but I'm not going to listen to you teach. Go back. The, the, two, of the, two of the greatest, pre, four of the greatest pre-sages uh, uh, from before the Common Era were Sadducees. They were not Pharisees. Ooh. Oh, uh, what's her Yeah, quite sure. Yeah, there's, there's, there's four of them. But there are two, actually, early on. Uh, um, were they Zuko? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, one guy's name starts with an A, maybe? Because it's where, the, it's where, the, where the Sadducees came from. Yeah, yeah from uh, Tzadok. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Here, I'll, I'll look. That's right. I, yeah. Well, I mean, to me... I mean, you can look at you can look at just the Jewish community here. You've got basically three options: Reform, Conservative, or Chabad. Well, I guess technically you've got Orthodox, although they don't have a minyan. At least they didn't. Maybe they do now. But, uh, but so, and and I would say, while there are some differences on the margin in theology between those two groups, the difference is largely practice. Or lack thereof, maybe in some cases. Right. Um, and less about theological differences 
is one observation I would make. But they're all, they're all, they, they can all walk to each other. In other words, they're, they're all, all still part of the community. <coughs> yes. You include the reformers? <coughs> yes. I mean, they, they married homosexuals. I mean, that's, that's pretty theological. I mean, well, the no. Orthodox and the Kabbat are like, whoa. But they're still a community. They are, but I mean, they're not really very theologically. Well, they're not the same. I, I, I think clearly it. So it's know, more than practice. The, it, clearly, the Orthodox don't like it, right? But they still count them as family. They're mishpacha. I remember. Uh, they're Jewish. Just one to go. It's it's the uh, Shemayin Abtan Abtian. Were were. Uh, Starts with an A. Sadducees. Um, an interesting thing is uh, we had. Uh, some 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 good conversations with a conservative couple, conservative Orthodox couple, a Jewish, and uh, she was very bothered whenever the Talmud was quoted by the rabbi. She didn't like that at all. It's got to be the Torah. It's conservative, not Orthodox. It's amazing, but she didn't like talking about the Talmud at all. They're off track. Well, it, it just reminds me of some of the Orthodox people we've talked with who feel the same way. You know, they know the, the Talmud, like the back of their hand, but how many times have they read the Torah? You know, that kind of thing. Yes, sir? I'd like to nail two. Nail two. Blood atonement. Can I... You want to say blood or substitutionary? Substitution. Well... How about substitutionary blood, blood atonement? atonement. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then uh, Messiah Yeshua is our atonement. And Yeshua basically is... Kind of wordplay from Hashem. God has become our salvation. So God it's saves. kind of like a double. Uh, would you would you work with that? God's got to fix, sure. and only God's got to fix. Right? And what that fix is is Messiah. Who that Messiah is is another question. Yes, but before you can get to a God fix, that presupposes there's an issue. Well, so now... That's got to be a fundamental. Yeah. Well, is it a fundamental? Because... Uh, well, if I, it's not, then I don't need a God fix. You don't need a fix. Okay. So so how would you describe the dilemma? Original sin is usually how it's talked about. It's not how it's talked about in Judaism. They recognize the need for a Messiah. They recognize the need for God's fix. At least some of them. But they don't call it original sin. What, what's, what, what's the problem? Actually, I mean, they see it as a responsibility issue. In other words, they look at it as everyone starts a clean slate, but everybody dirties it eventually. Whereas original sin presupposes that you start with dirty slate. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know that I can go there. Uh, I know I've. I've I don't, that may be some. Uh, yeah, and I may be. I may be confusing what I read. You're saying about Judaism? No, I'm saying that Judaism does not believe in original sin. So I don't want to put original sin necessarily, and, and just reject where they're coming from, because they still see the need for a Messiah. They, so words have power, and I'm using all kinds of words and have never defined them. 
how would you define original sin? We're born sinners. That's not original sin. That's the fate of all men. Original sin would be the reason why we're born sinners. Right? Because Adam sinned, that original sin causes a cascading need throughout all generations. So, one, one Matt Adam. Orthodox Jewish commentary that says exactly that. Some believe that. No question. I'm just... Shakari service starts off by so the soul is placed in the that's an Adamic error. The soul that you place in me is pure. It is. Okay. I don't disagree that it is. But Judaism sees it slightly different than Christianity does on this issue in the sense that Judaism does understand generational culpability. It does not necessarily agree with original sin. In other words... I am responsible because my forefather sinned. It does have an impact Adam on me. Adam has an impact on me, yes. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that the that you know a one and a half year old or an infant as soon as they're born right. is born with yes. already a as I said earlier, a dirty slate. They don't right. have a list of right, 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 right. Okay. Well I spoke from Jeremiah. Okay. Because Adam Go. Because Adam sinned, we uh we, as his, his progeny, have been cut off from God. So I think a good way to, to express this would be man's need for reconciliation. I like that. Actually, and that Judaism would agree with that. Because they want to get back to that garden, tshuva, just like us. So maybe not putting the original sin moniker on it would work. And it sort of avoids that whole, you know, well, do babies go to hell? You know, that kind of thing. Well... So, original sin, obviously, is a Christian coin term. Exactly. But where does Christendom get the idea from? Well, I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that, you know, we normally get most of our doctrines from them. I mean, if you look in a study Bible today, guys, if you don't know, and your study Bible tells you that this particular passage you're reading is a messianic passage. The only way they tagged them that way is because Judaism had been teaching for centuries that these were messianic passages. So no question, you know, we, we normally don't make theologies up. Where do we get it? The, the problem is that perhaps it's, they we, describe it differently. we put a moniker on it and then do, you know, torque it. I think it's semantic. It may be. It may be. So, so, it's so, semantic. That's not a semantical issue. Can I just say this? Where you fall on the on the original sin issue, whatever you want to call it, is going to directly relate to whether you keep that word there or whether you erase it. I just want to point that out. The word was so as only. As soon as you start tinkering with whatever that word means, you are having a direct effect on whether God saves or assists. Well, well actually, might I just propose that that the notion of the origin of sin and the notion of original sin, or however you want to describe it, is actually dependent on the top item there, substitutionary blood atonement. In other words, seeing a need, excuse me, uh, seeing the fix demands a need. Yeah, which is what Greg said. Judaism says, I don't need it, therefore I don't need the fix. So they are tied together, as he's indicating, they're tied together. Um, saying that we can absolutely say this is 
this is what it teaches, and both of these come from this, I would offer that either one or the other, the truth, whether it's original sin or blood atonement, may actually come first and the other is in response to it. Somebody help me figure that out. I think I just got a brain cramp. I think I understood what you just said. I'm sorry. I think I just no, they're, they're, they don't have to necessarily both be... What 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 what, what are the, what are the both that we're talking about? These two? No, substitutionary blood atonement and the fix is actually the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and the idea of original sin. So yeah, that's true. This, this this is yeah. The this is. The problem are paired, and I'm saying the fix and the problem don't have to necessarily both be scriptural because they're paired. But I would so it's so excellent reasoning to say. I don't. I, I would that's say excellent. Yeah, excellent. I, I would just say that Judaism doesn't see that. For atonement, because the entire Yom Kippur service is atonement. They absolutely see the need for atonement. That's different no, from what yeah. you have up there. Substitutionary blood atonement is not what we talk about well, in okay. Yom Kippur. They, they don't necessarily see a need for substitutionary blood atonement today. That's true. That's true. That's the key. Which is then tied to original Although it, they, Yeah, let's. let's yeah. Whoa, whoa. Slow, slow, slow down for a second. Let's just make sure that everybody's on the same sheet of music. Yom Kippur has nothing to do with eternal atonement. It is a picture of eternal atonement, no doubt. But it has nothing to do with eternal atonement. That's why I have no problem having a Yom Kippur service participating in the temple when they do that. Why? Because I'm stuck on this planet in its state. I'm not on this planet the way it was. So until he fixes this planet, I'm stuck in a sinful world that causes me to be separated physically from my physical God. And until that gets fixed, I'm looking forward to that Yom Kippur. Amen? Amen. All right. So. That's good. Preaching. That's right. Yeah. Many people would have a problem with what you just said and say that you are diminishing Yeshua's work that, um, when you say that. But I just want to throw it out there that um, if well, you disagree with what you just said, you are indeed definitely uh, devaluing his work in every way if you, if you disagree with what you said. Not, because there's a great confusion there. Right. Right. There is. And, and, the, and the confusion has to do with the temporal and the eternal. Yes, and if you disagree, then right. you're saying you're saying that atonement does affect eternal uh, substitution. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's, that's diminishing right. work. You, you, you nailed it. And what a great way to present it to professional Christendom. If you think that you would be uh, just absolutely astonished and freaked if I wanted to participate in blood sacrifice in the temple, because it would diminish the work of Yeshua, then you've really misunderstood the work of Yeshua. That's right. Because if what I'm doing with, a, with the blood of bulls or goats could have any effect whatsoever on my eternal salvation, then I never needed Yeshua in the first place. So, instead of me, instead of me, how about you stop denigrating the work of Messiah Yeshua? Amen? Excellent. Excellent point. Excellent point. Here's an apologist there. Are you going on to another one? I like that. Just forget that whole argument. Let them brew and stew. Yeah, now what was that? Conversation needs healing.
Holiness. What about holiness? Okay, so I'm going to say that's the same thing, right? Holiness. Holiness. Abiding. Progressive sanctification. And and I think that was uh, that was one of Alex's summaries to last week's class was we have to be holy. It's not optional. If you live like hell, it's probably your address. <laughs> Jump in any time. I'll be in town all week. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> you can say food folders. Fruit. Fruitfulness. You know, I personally have a lot of problem with that whole fruit crap. So, I, I beg your pardon. I, I didn't mean to put down your theology. If you think that the fruit of my walk are people, I want to argue. I want to argue. I really do. Precisely. And where do I see that? Well, actually, where do you see that in me? In what we just wrote down, right? Does it mean I'm not going to share my faith? Of course not. I am. I'm compelled to do so. And better than that, which probably didn't happen to you a lot until you started this walk, people are actually going to ask you. Yeah. Give, go, excuse me. You ever, you ever had this at Harris Teeter? You grab a six-pack of Heineken. The guy walks over and says, excuse me, would you give me an account for the hope that lies within you? Thank you. <laughs> Another fundamental yes, is the, uh, That's right. the uh, reward and punishment. Oh, yes. Reward and punishment. All right. So, now... Now, I want to I wanna make clear here that I believe that he rewards, this may sound familiar to some of you, I believe that he rewards those who keep his commandments and punishes those who don't keep his commandments. How many of you agree with that? Okay, so now tell me, does he do that in this age? Yeah, this age being... This age being this age. Yeah, I mean, that's How many ages in the Bible? Two, three. The days of Messiah are part of this age. Can you can 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 the reward or punishment come in this age? I would say yes. Is it entirely fixed in this age? I would say no. Without question, that was the follow-up thing. Does he reward and punish in this age? Yes. Absolutely. Otherwise, David's psalms mean nothing because he's lamenting the fact, well, what's up with this? The wicked are prospering. Hello? When are you going to take care of this? And obviously he will. So there's an ultimate or eternal sense as well as a temporal sense. And isn't that odd? We have exactly the same thing. In an atonement, there's also one that's temporal and there's one that's eternal. Right? Yes, sir. When you were referring to holiness, I think it, it's obeying God. Okay. Let's talk about let's talk about what holiness means. What's hagias in the Greek, right? Holy ones, right? Um, what? What? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that which is uh, 
kadosh, right? What is holy? Set apart unto God. It's set apart. It's not even set apart unto God, although it's always the context, but it is, it's separated, right? So you, you've got the gaggle of kids in the neighborhood, and you're going to help them divvy up into stickball teams. That's what we used to do. And the older kids would help us divvy up into teams. What's the first thing they did? They separated out the two best players, and they'd be the captains of the two teams. That separation is exactly the same word. It's exactly the same action. You've been set apart. How come you can't do things now that you would do and I would do before? Because we're set apart. It's as simple as that. The question is, are you setting yourself apart? Or is he setting you apart? And the answer, of course, is... Yes. There it is. By his commandments. Separates us. He separates us. And then we keep separating ourselves. And then, and then in that holiness, we are, uh, we are doing Kiddush Hashem. We're sanctifying his name. That's right. As, Throughout, as he said, ambassadors. We are, we are his regional representatives. They're not, Throughout the, they're not mutually exclusive. That's exactly right. right. We, we sanctify his name. Throughout the whole earth, well, that's our that's our goal. Not to be confused with, and this may be, I don't know if this is where you're coming from. It's not to be confused with being sinless or being sinful. That it, you know, to be to be separate hopefully means that sin is diminished or, or diminishing. Diminishing. Israel, but it's, it's not sin but related. Certainly, it's sinless. it's right. just simply because people can yeah. be separated from evil. Yeah. To do evil. Well, no. Look, look at the wall. And the good work. He called Abraham out. Isaac and Jacob. Now we look at those 12 tribes. We look at those 12 men. They were set apart unto God. They were set apart. They were different. They were special in that way. They were buggers. I mean, come on. You, you had a pair that wiped out a, a town. Right? You know? You, you, did I say 10 or 12? I said 12? Okay. At least 10 of them. Um, you know. So... Yeah, I mean, you got some. It's not, it has nothing to do with sinlessness. It has to do with being in a condition or in a state where there's an expectation. Not to also become confused with blameless. Yeah, well, blameless would be one who's keeping all the commandments. Right. And if you break a commandment, you can still keep the commandment because you broke the commandment by making the rectification he demands through the commandments. Oh, which, means blame, which means blameless. And that can be confused with perfection. Yes, exactly. So it has nothing to do with being perfect, but keeping it perfectly, that I can do. Yeah, blameless, good. blameless might be, be compared to the idea, like if you've ever had a teacher who gave you an assignment, gave you a grade, they said, now you can correct the mistakes and get 100. Now, maybe yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have teachers like that. I had a few. And those were my favorite teachers. Yeah. But at the end of it, you may have made mistakes along the way. We're all willing to pay for teachers like that. But your final grade ends up being 100. Yeah. That's, I think, the principle behind the end. When Paul says, I'm blameless according to the law, it doesn't mean that he said, I I did everything always perfect. He's saying, I always... Or perfectly. That's what I was thinking. Adverb, not an adjective. What's a guy do for a living? Holy cow. I always always repented and or made that, like you said, the restitution necessary. Demanded by that very same Torah. 
Because he had been killing people very zealously up to the point of itself. Yeah, or at least locking them up. I don't know that he killed anybody, but he certainly put them in jail. Good, good, excellent, excellent conversation. Good. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, ah. It's not green sleeves. It's green shirt. I think we're done, but you need to speak up because Isaac is losing his hearing in his old age. I was, I wanted, uh, I, I was, I'm feeling a little squeamish about original sin. Did I write original sin? No, because it was, it was skipped over by Mr. Vermillion. Yeah, I, I put problem. With a question mark. Yeah. I said reconciliation. I like reconciliation. Yeah, the need for that. I like, I like the fact that, no, no matter how you put it. Whether it's a, a, a door slamming shut on the garden and a spiritual curse or problem that's passed down or the need for reconciliation for all men. I mean, we're all talking about the same thing. If the moniker is a problem for Judaism, now I don't need to use that moniker. We need to recognize there is a problem. The question mark is not because we don't think there's a problem. It's because we just don't know what to call the problem. Well, that, so, but the Christian, traditional Christian term of original sin, is that really biblical? No. The well, idea of it no. being taxed down. Yeah. What do you do with, the, like, for example, Psalm 51, in sin my mother conceived me? Well, Judaism actually has their own explanation for that, but it's not so different, I don't think, from original sin, if I remember correctly. But, <laughs> but what, maybe I'm misunderstanding original sin. It's been a long time since I studied this particular theology. Well, uh, you know, I I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I I just don't know that I can articulate the professional Christendom line on original sin, other than to say that all men have inherited a spiritual disease that requires a spiritual fix, and the Scripture teaches, as we move on, that the spiritual fix cannot come from man himself, because it's it's. It's not possible. He's so it has to be outside himself. If you're offshore, uh, two miles from shore, and the goal is to make it to shore, this is the concept of the It doesn't matter if you if you swim like crazy and you get within a hundred feet of shore, or if you stay out there two miles offshore, you're still going to drown. And there's no way you're going to get to the beach unless you can get past what you can do. That's the concept of original sin versus having salvation by grace through faith. In other words, I got to get somebody to, I got to get to the beach, and swimming well, has nothing to do with it. Being on the beach is where I should have been. That's right. And I'm, I find that I am not on the beach. And there's no way I'll ever get to the beach, no matter how hard I swim. And the reason why is because I've inherited sin from Adam. <coughs> I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I'm describing that's original sin. Well, okay. Yeah. In Adam. All sin. Are dead and will I would, I would, I would rather, I would rather quote the scripture, and it doesn't say all, sin, all have sinned. Then Adam, right? Adam all die. Die or died? That's what it says. And Adam all died. Yeah. And in Genesis five, in the Torah, it says that we are after Adam, we are made in His image and likeness, which is fallen and measured if we were conceived in iniquity. And then Paul does drashes which show that man is unable, not just sick, not just diseased, yeah, yeah, we get that not part. just not swimming, not able to swim. 
And so we're dead in Adam, and we will die in Adam if we are not in the last Adam. In, so the original uh, sin is death. Yeah, I think, death I, I think the... I think the uh, the one I like is uh, in the first Adam all die in the in the last Adam. Where, where's is that? What it is? I think yeah. I like the the because there there you're juxtaposing the two in one spot. Yeah. You know we've got that first Adam, last Adam. You've got a major Call the Calmer thing going on. It's like oh, this guy got you death. This guy gets you life, That's right. you know that kind of thing, right. you know. Right. So that I, I don't know that I would call that original sin if I had to make up a, a, a moniker. Really. Well, I'm yeah. culpable because I'm a man, yeah. or I, I, in a sense. But the, the, the past, I think Peter's right. If you look at First Corinthians, yeah. it says, For since by man came death, for as in Adam all died. I'm not saying by man came sin. That's Romans 5. Is that Romans 5? Yeah, Romans 5, Romans 5, Romans 5 says... Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Right. It doesn't say that all died in Adam. In Romans 5, yes. maybe 12, verse 12 ish or something. Um, it says, just as through, through, one man, through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because of all sin. Everyone's died. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone sins because Adam did, it, he just sort of introduced it. Does this make sense? Adam is the core. Adam's not passing a genetic sin. Amen. That's the key. Because, like, it's like... Well, yeah, there's... Yeah, we already talked about this in another class. There's no question. There's not a physical genetic sin gene. That's not the case. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. Yes. There's a spiritual problem that needs a spiritual fix. It's a spiritual disconnect. Yeah. That relationship is gone, and it leads to a to no relationship in the world to come. But maybe the, the question that I'm having is: is um, the danger of the original sin is in the traditional Christian interpretation of it? Is this is where we get the idea that uh, Yeshua was okay because he was born by a woman with no man involved? And, and that, I think, is the problem. Is and, and, original sin is presupposing and, that our sin condition is not because we're human and we're tending to sin, but that somehow we inherited this sin nature. I don't know that you can argue from Scripture that you necessarily inherited it per se, but rather that Adam opened the door to sin, and we're all inclined to do that. Hang on one second. Go ahead. I would just ask if, if we are born in the water or born on the shore. To Mr. Spurlock's analogy. The analogy is that Calvinism says you're born in the water. Right. There's no hope of getting to the shore. Ever. You're at the bottom of the water. Right. You're dead. Right. You're dead. Uh, you're dead. Right. 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 Right.
to seek after God. After God. But do we, are we born with a, with a sin already? nature? With, because I, I get that Adam sinned. Uh, hang on, hang on. Yeah. So you get that Adam sinned. Yeah, but I, I have yet to hear scriptural support for because he sinned, I'm born in a, like a sinner, sinner defined by breaking the law. Well, let me ask you this, and then I'll, I'll take some of the other comments, because I know some of you are aching to speak. Would you say that I am a sinner because I sin? Or I sin because I'm a sinner? Yes. No, it's, it's, you've, always, you've always taught um, I, I sin because I'm a sinner. Right. Is it scriptural? Well, I, I, I think it's, it's proven by both the scripture and experience. I never, ever taught you to be selfish. And yet, you would sit on the floor with another child and grab a toy and say, Mine! Who taught you that? I didn't teach you that. Where did you right. learn that? And like Joshua said, maybe we now, maybe we tend towards sin. Like Adam opens the door to sinning and definitely death, according to Romans 5. You know, I well, think... I think towards sin. I, I think... I, I, don't, I don't know that what Adam did... Is, has, has reminded this, this two-year-old at all. Well, like in the case of the infant, which seems to be a big prevalent issue, if you believe in original sin... The baby's going to go to hell. It would go to hell. Right. But if you don't, are we saying that the baby is sinless? Right. And those concepts are handed out and morally innocent. We're kind of changing the subject. I mean, is it? That, that's a separate implication. It's a good question. It's a... But... No, I don't think it's separate. We're jumping to the implication. We're jumping to the implication. The Bible, the Bible gives gives clear, I think, data on the first question. The thing about infants is something maybe. No, but but I, but I think it's a direct corollary that we need. We can we can bring up. Hang on, one. Go. Uh, real quick, when I quickly, it's an adverb, not an adjective. <laughs> when I uh, learned of original sin um, in class, it was. It was directly correlated to that concept of when a child is conceived, it is a soul that is damned. And anything that he does that is good in effort to be uh, justified or right is worthless. It, it is not only it's blasphemous. It is it is um, a mockery because it's compared. They're trying to compare to the the matchless perfect perfection of of Hashem. And I'm not. I don't know that I can go that far. Just, just a real quick to that point, and Peter's point as well is, without Hashem's presence, we will sin. I would, I would go further and say, without Hashem's presence, we will die. Necessarily say that's right, but we don't have to necessarily say that we were born damned in that sense, because what it is is what we need. What we need is not. Redemption or anything else. What we need is Hashem. Period. That's what we need. But let me read this scripture real quick. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you mean using this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. 
As I live, declares the Lord. Excuse me, he doesn't just say that, Lord. As I live, says Hashem, Elohim, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul who sins will die. Leading us to believe that, once again, we're judged on our actions. Not because I inherited from Adam. We're judged on our own actions. And so several people have made the comment, we tend towards sin. Without God's presence, we would sin. Or die. Or, you know, all of that to me says what I think the scripture says, that we have a sin nature. Now, how we want to describe that original sin, we had or whatever, okay? But but then when, but then I think there's the issue of, of, of accountability, you know, and the, is the, the notion of age of accountability, which is also a Jewish idea. You know, so an in infant, while they may have inherited the same, you know, sin nature, evil inclination, whatever you want to call it, um, and so that's why when they're a child and they don't really understand, but yet we see, you know, they will lie to manipulate, right? right. Nobody's taught them that, right? right. Um, but, but yet, um, they're doing that without necessarily a, a complete understanding, you know, of the ramifications. Well, and, and without the law, there is no sin. Right. So, so, so to say that an infant who may have been, who, who may have inherited, or whatever, however you want to describe it, an evil inclination, a sin nature, whatever you want to use, tragically dies, that that's, that infant's now, you know, going to burn in hell for eternity. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not thinking that you can really... You're not ready to go there? No. Okay. Um, before we continue, and I'll, I'll let you say as many things as you want. This is, this is why I want to do this. We need more do, you have, classes. do you have any idea why I wanted to talk about this? It's because no matter how many things you came up with, sooner or later, you'd hit on some point that made this obvious or inconsequential. Because the whole idea of tonight's class is not necessarily to come to fisticuffs over a theological point. It's to learn to articulate with passion from the Scripture from logic, from ethics, from anything you want, and for us all to grow and to learn, not necessarily to come to agreement. That's the whole idea, right? We come together and we discuss. So, now. (coughs) Ecclesiastes 7.29, I did find this, God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. So you're implying in this, I believe, um, I, th- I think, as Greg was saying, that you got, you got an opportunity, but you're going to choose the wrong way. There's no way every man will go the wrong way and will sin. Yes? Uh, man what has... I understand this, this text to say is that God created man to be upright. Man has um, a free will... He's a free moral agent, and yes. he can make his own choice. Yes. But, and because, by virtue of being cut off from God, and he corrupting himself, corrupting yes. his own nature, which yes. we read in Genesis 6, we 
Yes. They corrupted themselves. Yes. And uh, at, at uh, you know the golden calf. Yes. They corrupted themselves. Yes. So man has a moral choice, and God created him for the purpose of being upright, of reflecting his his character, being virtuous, his holiness, his righteousness. But they have turned themselves to go on the downward path. Okay. I believe that God, by His Spirit, is drawing every man universally, and He says He's not going to strive always with man. And that's why I think the psalmist wrote, there is forgiveness with you that you might be feared. Okay. The issue of self-sin, why cost me good? There's none, none good. But Hasha. Good. When all the children of Israel died in the wilderness, yes, sir. It's like the children didn't, didn't die. They didn't have to, so... That's right. They, maybe because like, they had all those parts a whole, whole nother generation came up. Hmm. Good, yes. I'm going to read Romans 5.12 and following. Therefore, just as through one man, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam who is a type of him who was to come, but the free gift is not like the offense. So he is saying that Adam's sin is, I would say that what Ken is describing is the fruit of what you are imputed with naturally. You do sin and you are accountable for your own sin, and in Adam you sin, you see. So it's not one or the, it's not, you you know, Adam didn't die. In other words, Adam died, um, Amen? But not just for his, I mean, it wasn't just for his own sin. In other words, you know, what you're saying is if we, if we don't impute sin to the entire human race after, after Adam, what we're saying is that, you know, each individual is born with a pure soul, which I think is an error. We shouldn't pray that. Um, um, when it says clearly here that all sinned because sin entered the world and death, and I would say that's spiritual death, I agree that there's a, there's a, an error with physical transference of original sin, and I'm not I don't agree with that. But I think there's a spiritual death that we do. We're conceived in iniquity. Psalm 51:5. That's what it says. Genesis 5 says we are after Adam in the likeness and image of Adam. Well, that's after he fell. So that those things that we are accountable and responsible for um, are because we are born sinners. We're conceived in iniquity. So we don't want to suggest. I don't think it's biblically accurate to suggest that we become sinners and the door is open depending on whichever yetzer you choose to exercise. It says here that we're dead until we're born again and then that's the, that's the rest of the rock. Right Ezekiel as you said. Well, that the, so what I would say is even though you may hold to that and say that's what's scriptural, I would say I have a scripture that says the opposite. What is it, well, Ezekiel 18 also goes on to talk about the heart in the context of what you mentioned. So the, the heart is obviously important to Ezekiel and we can talk about that. It's like chicken and egg. It really doesn't matter because we have chickens and we have eggs. What if, and that's one of the issues with regards to theology. Is theology yeah. gets people to, to step into different camps and build even more greater edifices upon it. Well, not necessarily error, but great edifices upon it when in right. the final analysis, all that matters is what do you do with it. Well, And whether you're right or whether I'm yeah. right, there's no difference in what we do with regard to that. Because well, everybody still sins. I have to say, that's right. Well, so everybody sins and everybody needs to repent. doesn't matter if I believe even, I got it to start with or I did it because I had to. And even after regeneration, and I think this is, a, this is a, going back to your point on total inability, 
really, I was, I was just pondering this today, it really absolutely makes no sense to talk about temptation if man doesn't have a will. If man doesn't have a will, if man is not a free moral agent and he can't choose the good, he can't choose, choose to do the righteous over the wicked or over the evil, then temptation makes no sense. Well, temptation I, isn't causative. Temptation is influence. Sure, but it's I, enticement. But I, I think it's drawing us. I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but temptation doesn't have any meaning to me before I'm in Messiah. Because I had absolutely no concept of right and wrong, and I didn't give a damn. So there was no temptation. There was just a whole lot of fun. Moses gave up the passing pleasures of sin. There is no temptation. Until you are in Messiah, you know right from wrong. He has shown you that you have been choosing wrong, and now you're going to choose right. And that's when temptation comes to play, in my mind. Now, the girl walks by, and i got to turn my head. Alan and I are walking through the South Park Mall, and what is that store right on the corner with all these women with no shirts on? I don't know what that is, but, you know, I'm breaking my neck to, to leave the store over there. Now there's another, there's a real girl walking by like that. <laughs> Holy cow. But, uh, but from the standpoint of, of conversion, where you repented, oh, now you're, 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 uh, you're born from above, you're more aware of those things that please God. But even for a child, when you reach that age of accountability, there is still within every man a moral consciousness. You didn't, I, I mean, you murdered anybody. I'm with you. I'm with you. Even as a child, I was tempted, but it was because there had been given a law. If I'm a total pagan, there is no law, there is no temptation. Only when my parents said, don't eat any of those cookies... Yeah. You know, I'm looking around because now I'm tempted because there's been a law that's determined. And I think that's exactly where Paul's coming from. Yeah, but the point I was referencing is the fact that temptation only makes sense uh, in understanding that it's not causative. It's a, temptation, by nature, is an influence. I'll, you smell I'll, cookies. I'll grant you that. You I'll grant you that. But temptation, given, but temptation demands a law. Temptation implies probability. Mm. Yes, you can avoid it. Um, God will make a way of escape. We got amazingly off topic here. Did you notice? But but we're all in general. It's not funny to, um, to stifle any final comments here. May I make a request that we um, split this subject out into a future lesson? Because I'm, I'm getting the sense that similar to the way that we did with the, uh, the tulip concept and broke those down, this may require some additional research because... Uh, I think that listening to all of these men and doing my own researching, I'm realizing that Scripture is, um, I wouldn't say it's not clear, but it's a little more complicated than my original expectation was. Yeah. The Christian theology that's pa- prepackaged is much simpler than what, 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 what I'm hearing. Maybe yeah, it would be helpful if we could bring you I think you raise an excellent point. <laughs> and, and the point What's is that, as, as we started out, to, to say that, to say that, you know, this is, this is easy. We can just write down these statements. is <laughs> so stupid, it just belies the fact that you literally, for over 500 years, had a Sanhedrin that did this all day. 
every day. That's what they did. All they did was argue theology back and forth. The last pair in charge of that Sanhedrin was Shammai and, and Halal. It's an amazing thing. We read about how they're constantly going back and forth. And it wasn't, this guy was right, that guy was wrong. It was always, this is what this guy said, this is what this guy said. You go figure it out. <laughs> because that's, but that's, but that's, well, sure, but that's, that's the whole idea, is that we do need to go and look at it. Because the bias we bring to the text is going to determine how we summarize. And maybe there's, there's great value in not starting to summarize now. So, so, well, well, God exists. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I do. I do think that. Our, yeah. I, I think this this year's classes are going to be a lot different than last year's. I mean, we we dealt with a whole lot of fundamental bad work. Um, <laughs> Um, we we dealt with that's right. We 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 dealt with a lot of basic truths and learned those truths. And maybe we can build these larger fundamental statements by learning some more basic truths, and we can understand. But to your point, we can't read just Ezekiel, and we can't read just Paul, and we can't read you know just Jeremiah and just Ecclesiastes. We need to be men of the book. We need to know the whole counsel of God. We need to know the whole story. But even though right now we got at least four or five different opinions, Pete, well, we'll count Pete. That's you know six different opinions because he hasn't even shared what his opinion is. Um, the bottom line is, we all know. However, it all works out. We're in Messiah because He allowed us to be in Messiah. He provided for us to be a Messiah. And He did all it took for us to be a Messiah. And I would go so far as to say, at least the way I think about it right now, ain't nothing can get me out of Messiah. believe that. Right. But the thing that I so appreciate about this class, and I, and I hope that everybody in here recognizes the uniqueness of this group, because we can debate these issues, bringing whatever perspective, whatever background, whatever baggage, whatever, whatever we got, and we're all interested in being, in, in not, not being right, but, but understanding God. Amen. Right. And, and, I, and I think every one of us in here will change a view that we have if, if we are persuaded from the Scripture. Yeah. Amen. That, you know, so, yeah. and, and I, I just want I can't under, understate the fact. I'm kind of uncomfortable not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 
got no one. Right. You know? yeah. Yeah. Before I can rule a couple. You gotta you gotta settle. We, <laughs> we gotta we can't yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have to stay and finish this because we gotta we gotta come to conclusion. But now you know I mean I think that I mean well, I mean just the last few weeks, you know, the whole Calvin and Armenian free will, you know. Yeah. I, there's still different views among the group, and my view is yes. I mean, <laughs> there is ample evidence for in both. the scripture for both. And, and while we may not be able to fully, Greg, you're breaking my heart, man. Our, <laughs> we may not be able to fully articulate it or understand how it works. It doesn't change the fact that they're both found in scripture. Well, okay, okay. you seem to think that they contradict one another. Well, well, now you. And non-tool. Oh no! <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, 